What is up everyone? My name is Sebastian and I am so excited for today's episode. We have Frank Benedetto, a doctor who has accomplished so much in his life, yet his story is not so simple. He was through very, very low moments in his life at the age of 30 when his father passed away. And what I want you to understand from this episode is understand that Frank didn't just become a success overnight, but he worked very, very hard and he made a choice at the age of 30 to change his life completely. I am so, so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. So let's get right into it. All right, so I am here with Frank Benedetto. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome, dude. Look, uh, I've, I've known you not for too long, actually, but I've seen what you're doing on social media. I am excited for you to share a lot about your different businesses but i think the first thing i would love for you to do is kind of give us your background of where where you were born what you were doing at the beginning stages of your life and we can kind of start from there sure sounds good so i was i'm a doctor of physical therapy and i i chose that path because i broke my leg at 16. so i had this like brutal fracture my leg twisted 180 degrees it was wild and i had this amazing recovery it inspired me to become a PT. Uh, I became one of the youngest ever at that time people to graduate with their doctorates. I was 23 years old. And I was also one of the youngest ever double board certified doctors. I became double board certified. I think I was 26 by the time I had two board certifications. And to put that in perspective, less than 1% of all PTs at that time had one board certification. And I was maybe like one of 200 people who had two. So the, the start of my career really was you know, on this amazing trajectory. And um, you know, I could go through all the highlights, but you know my story and you want to hear the well, more, the more I mean, interesting I, uh, turns and twists. That I, I guess what I would ask you first is like, were you always that driven? Like, did, did you always know you wanted to be a doctor or like, was it once you broke your leg that you were like, okay, maybe I want to get into this, but were you always like that driven to you know, get a college degree and, and, and really do more than the, than the average would want to do? No. So it, the year before I broke my leg, I was like a BC student. I was, you know, I had no idea what I was going to be when I grew up. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was bad, but I wasn't good as a, as a teenager. Yeah. And when I broke my leg, I literally the first day of physical therapy, I said, came home, told my parents, I, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be a doctor of physical therapy. Mm. And it is a hard program to get into, especially back then it was, there was only a handful of programs in the, in the region that offered the doctorate version of that. And I went into school, told my guidance counselor and they, they kind of laughed and said, you would never get into that. You won't survive it. Um, and I told my parents, uh, you're wrong. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get straight A's, you know, the, the, for the rest of my high school career. And my father jokingly said, if you get straight A's from this moment through you graduate, we'll get you any car you want. <laughs> so I got straight A's from that moment to, to the end. I didn't necessarily get any car I want, but I wanted, no. I wanted to really push that issue as much as possible. But Did you get a car at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a really cool pickup truck. Oh yeah, there you go, yeah. there you go. Yep. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, man, I, I was always driven. And, uh, but you know, I, I, I lost my way talking about my dad when I was 27, you know, I had this kind of like story to like, you know, like storyboard life of 
wife, two kids, the whole deal. And uh, I watched my dad die, you know, in, fr in front of me of the heart from a heart attack. And it was, you know, obviously an incredibly traumatic experience. And then I unraveled my life, like literally completely unraveled over the course of the next two to three years. And I had to sell my house. I fell into you know, deep depression, uh, alcohol, drugs, abusing prescription medication. Then, you know, I mean, it was just the craziest combination. And uh, I woke up on my 30th birthday, just an absolute loser. And when, 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 you're, when you're a different, you know, when you're in your 20s, you have like this crisp, most people have like this crisp idea of who they think they want to be by the time they're 30. Like 30 is that like, I'm an adult. Like I, I, you know, I have this, this, and this, my life looks like this. And I'll never forget the, the morning of my 30th birthday, I wake up in a shitty apartment. I'm buried in self-created debt, not from student loans. I'd already paid all those off. I had $200,000 in self-created debt at this point. And, um, you know, I'm just like trying to muster the energy to even get through the day. And I put on this, this motivational video, it's called, um, uh, what's the name of it? It's um, by Mattias, Mattias Z on YouTube, Unbroken Motivation. And it's a compilation of all different motivational speakers. I remember I was like sitting you know, in the shower and my head on like the cold and you know, just, I've never heard this video before I put it on. And it, it like spoke so clearly to me of where I was. And it basically said like, you have to accept where you are and then it's your responsibility to take you where you want to be. And that you have to leave the past behind. You have to, you know, trust that the dots are going to connect sometime in your future. And like, oh, and it just kept building up and building up and building up. And then Eric Thomas came up, came on, who I, I never heard of him either. And he goes, "This year is the year I will turn this dream into a reality. I won't talk about it anymore." And he just starts screaming, "I can, I can, I can!" He's screaming it. And at that moment, I'm like literally crying and. I was thinking about my 30th birthday. I had this, you know, goal of being a, you know, having a million dollars by the time I'm 30. I was the farthest away from that, who I thought I would be. And I got out of that shower and I literally said, this year is the year I make this goal a reality. And I, and I, and I changed the a month later, I launched you know, my first real business. And in our first year of business, we made $1.1 million. Wow. Amazing. Crazy story. So, so, uh... That's, that's fucking wild, dude, because so, so you're saying like in one day, like in the shower, everything changed. Mindset wise. Yes. Obviously there's ups and downs along the way, right? You don't go from that depth of a low straight line up. But every time I would stumble and fall, I would just pick myself up and say, no, like, no, we're not giving up on this. Go like, get, get back up. Stop it. You know, no more alcohol, no more this, no more that, you know, and just uh, little by little, I just pieced it together. So the, the, the question I have is, you know, everyone goes through their own journey, right? Like, and you went through your journey when you were 27 and at, at age 30, you said, no more. I want to change the way that I'm doing things. But what would you say to the people that haven't had that moment of like, oh my God, like I need to do this. I need to change my life. You know, like, because millions of people I'm guessing have watched that video, the same exact video that you watched. Right. So why is it that for some people it clicks and for some people, it doesn't. It's a, it's a great question. And I, I do think about that often. You know, there, there's a book. I know we're both really into reading all the new books. There's a book called uh, Tiny Habits, which I think is a couple years old now. But I just picked it up. And the whole premise 
is that the human brain doesn't work with like massive changes that most people cannot do a massive change that they need to do a tiny change at a time. And I like the whole time I'm like, if I did this, I'd still be like, you know, half an alcoholic or I'd still be, I'd still have like a mediocre salary in my bit. Like I made massive, huge changes at a time. Now it hurt and it, it was hard, but that's how I changed. Now, some changes you do have to do incremental, like saving or health. Like you can't just change your health overnight. You have to literally like go work out for a half hour and then tomorrow do it again and tomorrow do it again. But when it comes to like really taking control of our life, I do think people need to make more radical changes because it's either, it's either gonna, you're gonna choose your trajectory and you're either gonna take a very safe, slow, long road to where you're gonna go, or you're gonna make a declaration. But you, you tend to only make the declaration when you hit a complete rock bottom. Right. So if anybody is listening to this and they could relate, it's like, are you, gonna, are you really gonna wait until you hit rock bottom? Or can you decide like right now to actually just make the change? Yeah, that's really the best answer I have. No, no, yeah, that's great. I mean, because that's what I felt like my whole life is that true change doesn't happen until you hit rock bottom. But I've always wondered, like, how can you get around that? You know what I mean? Because if you are able to get around that and actually make what you're saying, like radical change, then people wouldn't be so unhappy with their lives and they wouldn't be complaining about it over and over again, but they would actually do something about it, you know? Yeah, well, you you're the marketing expert. And one of the things that I have picked up on from other marketing experts is to amplify somebody's pain, potential pain experience in your marketing in a, in a safe way. And in my mind, that's like us as entrepreneurs, we're almost obligated to make people under almost imagine their worst case scenario, imagine their rock bottom. And if we could, if we could take them to that place and have them feel the pain of rock bottom before they actually get there, can we then inspire them to take action? And if we don't, if we play it safe with our marketing message, we're just gonna let people crumble and then wait for them at the bottom to build them back up. And to me, that, that's not the eth ethical thing to do. We need to, we need to, as a marketer, as an entrepreneur, we need to be constantly trying to get people to take action. You know, and, and that's, that's really what I, I think what we could do to not let people need to hit rock bottom. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about uh, Counter-Strike, right? Which is a, the first business that you built? Well, Counter-Strike is actually my, if we count all of the businesses, it's probably like I don't know, eight or nine. When I talk about the businesses that worked. So before that, I had a several series of like startups that never even got off the ground. They were right. just ideas. One was uh, drones. Way before drones were a thing, I bought all these drone domains and really? was buying and holding them. Failed miserably, sold all of them for like pennies. Um, then I, yeah, we won't even go through all the, all the failed ones. I launched Provere. Well, you know what's funny? It's like everyone, I feel like every entrepreneur has that. They have to have like a list of five, 10 different businesses that completely took a shit and they didn't do anything with with what they actually wanted to accomplish. Absolutely. I don't know too many people who, ha who don't have that. Right. Because yeah. you go through this evolution where you realize an idea is not a business. It is execution of the idea. It is implementation. It's scaling the idea. It's marketing the idea. It's selling the idea. It's all these things. But when you're, 
early into entrepreneurship, we're get, we get sold on this notion that just having an idea is enough. And it's not, it's like literally a 10th of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first business was brick and mortar physical therapy for high school and college athletes. That's the one that we launched and made a million dollars first year. We sold it at the four year, four month mark for seven figures. When, I le- when we left that business and sold that to the companies that we sold it to, I, it was like graduating college all over again. I was 35 and I basically could do whatever I wanted. I was like, what business do I want to do now? And I launched an online performance coaching platform for fighters. So this is where we take UFC fighters, wrestlers, boxers, jujitsu, kickboxers. We take care of all of their off the mat training. So basically their strength training, the heart rate based training, their weight cutting, mental performance. We do all sorts of cool stuff like that all through apps. Well, so I do have a question because when you started that business of, of your, your own physical therapy facility, like, did you have in mind, like, this is going to be what I do for the rest of my life? Or did you already have in mind, like, I want to build this up and sell it at some point in the future? The goal was to get to 30 locations in the tri-state area and then go to a national brand. So I, I never really had an exit plan, but we happened to stumble upon the right mentors who just nudged us along the way, almost like we accidentally built it to be able to sell. Because if you don't decide to build a business that's sellable, you won't. Meaning like, if you don't do certain things early on in the process with your books and the way you scale and the way you take salaries and the way you do all these things, you can't sell your business. It's literally like an unsellable asset. So we were very fortunate. I had a business partner who was very meticulous. He thankfully kept all of the like the the background systems clean enough that we could sell and we just kept taking the advice of mentors and really in new jersey there was a a health insurance crisis happening in 2016 17 that made me realize i thought i was in control of my business and i was not the health insurance companies were in control of my business so I had gone through all this pain and torture to launch my own business only to still not be in control. Why wouldn't I just work for somebody then? So when we, when we realized we were up against a company, that's a billion dollar valuation versus little companies like us, we said, this is not what we want to do. There is a market value for this business right now. Let's sell it and get out. And it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. That's so wild because I think the, the biggest thing that when I first got started in, in with, you know, entrepreneurship was that I thought that you had to choose something and then just, just kind of go with that for the rest of your life. But I think right. it's very hard to calculate like how you can pivot in the future. Right. And that's exactly what you guys did. Right. Um, sure. Like how does that, how do, I don't know. It's like for someone that's just barely starting in their entrepreneurship um, journey, you know, like, what would you say to that person? Because they might have an idea, like you said, but they not they don't have a business plan or they don't have a a scalable business that they can actually build. You know, I have a I have a counterintuitive suggestion. You have to launch half baked. So if you launch your product fifty to seventy percent done, and you have a strong feedback loop with your early users and your beta testers and your early adopters and then your first hundred users, they will tell you how to finish it. And then because you started in this ambiguous sense, 
the business will always be moldable. When we, when we build something in the lab, you know, like me and a business partner sit here in this office and we write the plan and we write it to, to, to the end and we, then we take it to the world already finished. We're betting on that we were able to predict accurately what other human beings are thinking. And that is one of the most <laughs> worst bets you could ever make in your life. Yeah. What you have to do is take an experimental method to business. And by doing that, you're setting yourself up to be able to pivot in different directions down the road. So for example, I could pivot Counter-Strike to be sellable to the UFC or some other resource, you know, other promotion that wants to have in-house strength and conditioning. I could build it and become you know, a massive international company that actually monetizes the, the data to um, you know, the UFC or other promotions that want a, um, like a, a recruitment, recruitment tool. Like the NBA bought a company that basically has this you know, same structure as I do. And they're just trying to cherry pick where the, where's the next greatest fighter. So there's so many ways, or I could keep it private and just keep it a mid-sized business. So like there's so many ways because I purposely didn't over finish it on my own. Love that man. Half-baked business. That's yes. good. That's really yeah. good. Okay, cool. So then you, you sell this business and what happens after that? So I sell this business and like, I didn't believe it was real until the day it happened. You know, I would almost like have to not think about it yeah. because it's just like one of those life-changing, like if it went one way or the other, it's like a very drastic different life. So I just had to assume that it wasn't going through. And then one day I was like, wow, I don't have a business anymore. And I have money in the, in the bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Like This is crazy. Yeah. And I went through like a borderline identity crisis because I realized that I over identified with the business. We as entrepreneurs tend to blend our identity with the brand and it's actually not healthy and it will stifle the business and yourself at some point. Yeah, yeah. You have to be the CEO, the owner, your identity of course is intertwined with the brands, but it's not dependent on or interconnected. So I did take you know a little bit of time off um, and I didn't sell for some amount that like I was, I can like, I'm not retired. I couldn't retire off of that. It was just like, I get, I had a couple of months where I could not work. And then a lead time to make Counter-Strike up to what I needed to make. I didn't make, you know, I didn't sell for $10 million. And um, I think that that's actually one of the best things that's ever happened to me because I could totally see how getting too comfortable just destroys your creativity. You know, yeah. whereas if you have an extended period of time off, it is extraordinarily difficult to go back. That's actually one of the things I worry about with so many people on unemployment making more money than they were employed. The problem I have with that system is that I worry how you could possibly come out of that in an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, it takes a really special person to be able to come out of that comfort and safety to be able to grind it out and, and go through the pain and torture that owning a business is. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because I guess you, you always need to have that pressure on you, right? Like Absolutely. some sort of pressure or else like you, like you said, you get too comfortable and when things get really hard, you kind of just scatter and look for the easiest way out. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. And then maybe a different side of the same coin is we tend to get the goals we set with consistency. So if you could take the, 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 the losses and the failures and move forward consistently, 
you tend to get what you actually set your goal for. I actually think that most people don't realize that consistency is the number one variable for success. So if you just keep showing up and you keep intelligently learning, you'll get your goal. You have to realize that at every goal, you are going to either get complacent there or wish you had something else. And you have to be able to be happy while on that journey. Otherwise the whole thing just becomes torture. Keep the stat in mind. We know that 10% of businesses will make it five years, 10% of small businesses. Out of that 10% that make it, how many of those business owners do you know that are actually happy? I mean, small business, I don't know if I know a lot or any. It's so crazy, but like, so 90% of them will fail out of the game. And then in my estimates, this isn't based off of any sort of actual data, 50% or more will actually also not enjoy their lives. How crazy is that? Like, well, and you always hear like the whole, like, you know, do you own your business or does your business own you? Right. Like you hear that, that saying a lot. Yeah. Um, what would you say to those people then? So the, the people who are in that position, they need to read the book E-Myth. The E-Myth series was one of the original great business books. And it basically talks about how most businesses that do succeed, you just become an employee to your business. So now you've swapped out the role from employee to somebody else to employee to your own. Instead of working on the business, you're trapped in the business. In my case, it would be training fighters all the time yeah. instead of overseeing a system of coaches that trains fighters based off of my expertise and my philosophies with their contribute uh, contributions, of course. But I'm also now working on the marketing of it, the monetization of it, the strategy, the strategic partnerships, the books, you know, all these other things. If you don't make time for those and you are working 40 hours a week as delivering services, those other jobs will have to come from the other 40 hours a week that you should be with your family and exercising and doing all the other stuff that we should be doing as humans. Right. Okay. Um, I think the way that I see things is, you know, right now, like you are at a different stage of your life where you have established different businesses. You have found great success, but obviously from what I know from you, you you're not, you're not done yet. Right. Like you want to have a lot more to give. Um, and for me, I quit my job seven months ago and I started a consulting, consulting marketing company. Um, and what I've noticed is that for myself, I have to, if I don't do the work, nothing gets done, right? Like it, it's all consulting. And because of that, it's whatever amount of money of time I, I put into working with clients is how much money I can get back. Um, so are you saying like you, you would recommend finding a system that is essentially able to run even if I'm not there? As close to that as possible. Now it depends on each business, but right. the general philosophy that I teach is that you need to first improve the time for money ratio and then break it. So right now time is one for one as a physical therapist. My job used to be, I deliver a one hour treatment. I get paid for one hour's worth of work. That means that there is a maximum income earning potential based off of the amount of hours that I wanted to put in. And there was a maximum amount of impact because there's only so many human beings I could treat in a 40 hour or 60 hour work week. Being capped in both your impact and your freedom is a easy recipe for burning out. What we need to do is create different delivery mechanisms and packaging your product and your skill sets 
in a way that improves the efficiency yet still gets the same outcome. For example, I have changed fighters' lives. I have taken them from weight class to this weight class. I have changed their lifestyle habits. I have helped them improve their strength and their cardiovascular, all these different things. I have done that without ever once getting on the phone for a one-on-one -on -one session or doing a Zoom call or seeing them in person. And that's from the delivery mechanism of using online programming, which then improved my, what my time for money ratio like drastically. All of a sudden now I could do manage 50 athletes in about a day and a half work. So which left three and a half days of time for building businesses, systems, recruiting, teaching team members, thinking. We almost don't even build ourselves time, like enough time to think anymore. Yeah. And we need strategy time to just sit and ponder and think. That's not, like, literally not typing, not writing, just thinking. Mm -hmm. So, and then we have to break the time for money ratio. That comes later for most people in the early stages. You shouldn't be thinking about that. You should just be improving. But for me right now, with Counter-Strike having its uh, minimum viable product already beta tested, we have our proof of concept. We have you know, 50 plus athletes already on program and doing really well. We've been in business for over a year. Now I could break the time for money ratio by having systems and team deliver almost all of the care and me just overseeing it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's where you're at right now with Counter-Strike, right? Correct. That's awesome. So, okay, so you have Counter-Strike and then we've also talked about your business and personal performance coach, right? Yes. Uh, tell us more about that because obviously, I mean, you're showing it right now. You have a lot of like great ideas and great um, insights that other business owners and entrepreneurs could learn from you, but what, what is that exactly? Yeah. So the honey badger project is a business coaching and personal performance platform. And there's essentially two main pieces of it. On one side, I help health and fitness entrepreneurs build mission driven businesses. And on the other side, I help entrepreneurs of all kinds across all industries develop the daily routines and personal systems to be able to have success in their business. Because I think that there are a lot of people who actually hit on a good idea, hit on good business practices, but the way they actually manage their life is unsustainable, which then undermines the business itself. So I realized that if I was going to be providing business coaching without personal performance uh, advice as well, I was literally like giving them half the solution, knowing that a good chunk of them are going to fail without having this other complementary piece. Mm. Okay. So is that, uh, when you talk about like your personal performance, is that like your daily, like your morning routine, your habits, like what exactly goes into that? Yeah. So the, that branch is actually releasing later this month. So right now the part that's live is the business coaching side. And we're going to be releasing our first online course called the personal operating system. The personal operating system is something that I built for myself many years ago when I realized I had so much to change about the way I lived. And I would be like constantly taking in new information and realizing the implementation of it was so terrible. I needed to create a set of rules that I was going to follow for myself. And I started just a Google doc and I named it the personal operating system. When I would read a book, I would distill it down to one sentence. You know, I would one sentence try to say, okay, this is the, that home takeaway. Now I might have a different doc that like was a more elaborate notes and things like that. But for the most part, I realized that the only way I was going to implement things 
if I had like a single sentence and I had to review that, literally reprogram my brain by reading it every single day. Then Jocko Willink comes out with his book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And I was like, oh my God, everybody needs one of these books for themselves. So it wasn't any one piece of content in that book that changed my life, but it was basically his own rule book. It was basically his stance, his philosophy on exercise, diet, nutrition, work ethic, people, like culture, like all these things. And I realized like we need to write one of these for ourselves. And that's when I took the personal operating system for myself to the next level. And I thought to myself, man, this really would be cool to bring to the world to help other people assimilate their self-help personal improvement journeys and actually help them take it to action. I didn't want to be another talking voice saying like morning routines are important that everybody knows a morning routine is important. How many people actually execute on it? Very, very little. So I wanted to create an online course that builds your own version of that, not replicating mine. I saw your morning routine a couple of weeks ago when you posted that. Right, yeah. I was like, this is cool. That's exactly my point though. That wouldn't work for me and mine wouldn't work for you. So in reality, people need some handholding and guidance on, okay, the first thing we need to get you a morning routine. Here are the components I, your assignment this week is to play with the variables and test what works for you. Mm -hmm. That's just one of the, the many components that we're going to cover. So what do you think about this? Because when it comes to people actually taking action, I'm pretty sure like, I'm pretty sure that's a very hard part of your business, right? Like people that say, Hey, I want to achieve X, but how many people are actually taking the action to get to that point? You know what I mean? Yeah, very, very few naturally, but I have KPIs, key performance indicators across all compliance metrics. So in Counter-Strike, we have systems set up where we could see who did the work. We use this thing called a whoop band, which is a 24-7 biometric. Yeah, I love them. I love it's it. Amazing. Yeah, I have. I actually just took it off because it was smelling kind of bad. <laughs> I was long, so I just barely got my new one, but I love whoop. Yeah. So we use that and I can tell exactly if somebody's working hard enough or not. And on the business coaching side in Kajabi, the course, the place I host my courses, I could see progress meters. And I, I know that most business coaches sell a course and they don't give a shit whether somebody finishes or not. And I want, I launch this thing. Like I don't want to just sell something that 15% or less, that's a real stat, less than 15% of people will ever finish an online course that they bought. And I'm so I'm same thing. I have a dozen of them that I've like half started, never started. Oh, yeah. you know, we all do. So I wanted to be different. So I created this you know, online community where we're like really pushing them to move forward through. We're staying very in touch with the people as they move through. And then I check the, the progress meters. And if somebody is stuck, I message them or somebody on my team messages them. Yeah. And when they all, when the first cohort stopped at a certain point, I said, I'm not releasing next week's. You know, I want to see more progress. So I held back a lesson. The next week, 90% of people were at 80% progress or more. And that's unheard of. So 15% of people less finish that. My completion rate right now is like 80 to 90%. Wow. So it's our obligation as coaches to, to get people to take action. I tell my team all the time, don't forget your principal responsibility is to get people to take action. It might not even be the right best action it just they just have to take an action so 
in a world that is filled with gurus and uh, people that, you know, can change their Instagram bio and say they're entrepreneurs and they're investors and can do whatever they want, right? How do you, I guess, like, how do you differentiate yourself from them? Obviously, you have the experience, right? But, like, when was the moment that you said, look, I feel comfortable in providing enough value to people that I can actually call myself a business coach or a personal coach? It took, it took a while. I mean, I, I had serious imposter syndrome in the beginning and I was doing it one-on-one -on -one for two years before I really went public with it. So I would get people asking me, like DMing me questions, small amounts, but consistently of like, hey man, I saw you did this with Provier. Like, how could I do that? Or how could I do this? And I enjoyed it. So I brought people on on a one-to-one -one level. I had like five or six clients at a time doing one-to-one -one business coaching with me. And then I started to realize that there are common themes throughout the conversations. And I would have like the next person that would come on one-on-one, -on -one, I would have the same conversations. And I started to realize that there was through some of my own mentors that really the magic is, is not new information, but creating a new framework to disperse that information inside of. Meaning the principles of marketing, there's kind of not new. There might be new tactics, there might be new things that you have to learn like algorithms and which tool you, but the principles are really do hold true. And it's kind of amazing when you look back in like the 1940s, 50s, 60s books, yes, the examples are outdated, but so much of the core is still what we do today. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I realized that, you know, what I had was enough and that almost every other business coach in my field kind of were hypocrites. They either had like a single location, one or two employees, and they were teaching something that honestly, they had barely enough proof to justify. And in my case, I had sold a million dollar business. I had multi-million dollar revenue. And I was doubting myself. I was like, what, what is this? Then when Counter-Strike really took off, I was like, okay, that wasn't a coincidence. I actually told my business coach, I feel like I sold that business by accident. I was like, but it was a fluke. And he was like, Frank, that might be one of the dumbest things you've ever said to me. <laughs> like no one sells, builds and sells a, a million dollar business by accident. He's like, you have, you still have imposter syndrome, man. And then when Counter-Strike really started to grow, I was like, I guess I do know what I'm talking about with business yet always remained humble enough to endlessly be learning. Like, dude, I spend solid 10, 20 hours a week just learning. I have three different coaches in different fields I have a vocal coach. Like I, I continually just dig because I know there's, there's the world's information is so huge and I'm going to die before even getting to 0.0001% of it. So I want to take as much of it in as I can. So I launched a business coaching knowing that they're going to benefit from my own continuous digging into business coaching. Uh, I'm sorry, into uh, just education in general. And then almost nobody has the experience of building and selling something for a million dollars. And it almost nobody has another experience where they did a startup and it worked right away. That, that's really what qualified me. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, so you're saying pretty much do the work. Yeah. Put your head down, do the work. Once you get the results, it's not really about reaching out to people and saying, Hey, I can do this for you, but the people are going to come to you and they're going to ask you to help them because they've seen what you're doing is successful. Absolutely. And, and I just give away your best stuff. So what I, what I resonated with, with some of the experts that helped me build 
was we have this tendency of like wanting to hold back our best stuff. And the reality is you should give away that for free. And when people see that, wow, like this guy's really trying to help me for free. I don't care. I want somebody to message me in two years and say, thank you so much for all of the content. Like it really changed my career. I don't want that person to never have spent a dime on me or my businesses. That's the, that's the intention of my content. So if that's always the guide, guiding principle, people will feel that. And then the ones that are really want more and are ready for more, they will sign up when you put your calls to action. That's, that's huge. And let's talk a little bit more about that because now we're getting a little bit more into content creation. Right. And I th think like the old school way that, you know, when I, whenever I, I deal with clients or with different people that ask me questions, they say like, you know, why would I give this away for free? Like if, if this is like my, my secret recipe, why should I give that away for free? But in reality, like if, the way that I kind of look at it is, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, a lot of people have gone to one of his conferences. Right. And mm -hmm. it's, you get to this place, you are here for three, four days, you're super pumped up. But once you go home, it's like 5% of the things that you, that you heard are actually sticking with you. And so I think there's a difference between being inspired and actually taking action. And I think you can give away everything that you have, but at the end of the day, people would much rather have you holding their hand and getting stuff done together. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, pe people need help staying in a consistent state of action. And if you layer your content in appropriately, there's always going to be more. Like the reality is if your business could be given away in a handful of posts, you have not created depth in your product. Yep. So I could give everybody like, this is the, this is the why behind this. This is some of the how they're going to need to get more coaching to be able to implement that to the highest level, a real go-getter. You can scour the internet, follow the right accounts and get every piece of information you need to do almost anything for free. Information is no longer a commodity. It is free. All of it. <laughs> so what's actually the commodity is a guide that helps people take consistent action, customizes the approach because now, because information overload has slowed us down and created more paralysis by analysis, as they say, that people need a guide to help like see the path. That's really what our roles are. Love it. Love it. Love it. So you, you've talked about an idea is not a business, even if it's a really good idea, uh, it's still not a business. All right. So how can you explain a little bit more about that? Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, I think that most people go into business and they slap a price point on the skills and services that they learned instead of reverse engineering, what solutions to what problems for what niche am I solving? And well, the process that I take people through is very simply this design your life, because you need to know where this business is trying to get you. It's okay that the business serves you. That's the purpose. Now, most helpers who is where I specialize in health and fitness, they tend to have like this crazy guilt about charging for their services. And if you have a mission driven business, you have the privilege of being guilt free from charging because when somebody buys, you're changing their life. And that's the, that's what I think is the requirement for our businesses nowadays. 
So you start by designing your life, then you decide your niche, you do a deep dive exploration of the problems they have, you take an objective lens to what solutions solve those problems and speak to their aspirations. Because if we could solve problems, deep internal philosophical, external problems, a whole gamut, and speak to goals, aspirations, and moonshots in one swoop, you have magic on your hands. Then you take those solutions, which may or may not be out of your skill set, you package them in a unique way, match them with delivery mechanisms like apps, seminars, in person. There's all different ways now. Apply monetization strategy, beta test, market, go. Mm. Okay. 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 And that's kind of like what you 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 mentioned before this talk that uh, you had like a, some sort of worksheet, right? That yes. you were going to be giving away for free. Is that kind of what the worksheet is about? Yeah. So basically what I always do when I come on a podcast of somebody who's like become a friend is I want to give like something of high value away, not just some sort of like bullshit lead magnet, but something that normally would only be inside the paid area of my services. And that for your audience today is the life design worksheet. The life design worksheet is step one that every single person inside Honey Badger goes through. It's a multi-page document that has you go so deep into what you want your life to look and feel like. And the key distinction here is that we're not talking about the typical goals people set. People set like salary goals or they want to get this award or this credential. I'm talking about tangibly what do you want your life to look and feel like? What time are you waking up? How are you spending your days? How are you spending your weekends? Does your schedule fluctuate over the seasons? Where do you go on vacation? How often do you go on vacation? Like these are the things that we should be writing out in detail and reviewing every quarter because we have a propensity to make business decisions that are actually not in line with your life design. And if you have a document that's a core resource, a usable tool, not some sort of like starry eyed thing, like I'm gonna make millions of dollars. This is something that's on the ground that you need to use a resource. And I'll give you an example why. When I was redoing Counter-Strike, you know, like I was rebuilding my career and I launched Counter-Strike. I said yes to opportunities that actually was not in line with my life's design. Now, why a UFC fighter asked me for this, like, Oh, do you want to come into New York city? We can do it once a week. Does that. And I went into the city and started trading away time that I would normally spend with my family for this very good business idea. And I thought to myself, I don't, I don't even want to do this. Why am I doing this? So that's when I realized like, I really need to stay more in touch with how I want my life to look like. And I use that thing all the time for myself. So for you guys, you're going to have a link. Uh, Seb will put it in wherever this gets posted and is in, in the description, the bio and the emails. And uh, it's your life design worksheet. So you get it in you know two days after you put the email in. Nice. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Um, yeah. There, you have dropped so many golden nuggets in this podcast. It's insane. Um, <laughs> I think like the, the thing I would like to know now is, we, we know a little bit more about you. What, what do you, what's next for you? You know, what's, what's next in the next five, 10 years from, from now? Great question. It's one that I don't get asked too often, surprisingly. The, the road for me just became clear, honestly, in the last couple of weeks. So I have a business coach of my own and, you know, he's worked with me through the tail end of the sale of my last business, through the start of Counter-Strike and, um, you know, and, and through now, 
And so, so he watched me go through this imposter phase of like, I, I don't know if that was a fluke. Like, did I build that business? as like, is that a fluke or do I really know what I'm talking about? And then when I started setting goals, I set a goal to like match what I did in the old business. And then as I started to see the trajectory getting there, I was like, wow, I'm actually, I'm going to match what I did in the old business. I realized that how foolish of me, the goal of just matching, I should be 10 Xing. So what's next for me is that between Honey Badger Project and Counter-Strike, I want to create a business that earns $10 million a year in revenue. And, um, you know, and that, that's really the core marker internally that I'm working towards is that my last business peaked at 3.3 and I want to hit $10 million a year in revenue. That's my three to five year goal. Um, it's a crazy timeline for a number like that. And then indirectly as a result of that, that means thousands of lives touched. That means having a system where, you know, potentially hundreds of fighters could be managed through automated technology and human services in Counter-Strike. That means scaling up small group, large group, large seminar style get-togethers on the Honey Badger side. And you know, when you have a mission-driven business, you can unapologetically say a goal like that because if I hit it, that means thousands of people will have better businesses, better careers and as fighters. Nice. Dude, I'm excited. I'm so glad I got to, to meet you because now I get to see where you are in the next three to five years. Yeah, man. Um, that's awesome, man. That's really, really cool. Um, I think like one last thing I would want to ask you is for every single entrepreneur that's just barely getting started, what would be your number one piece of advice? I'm going to go back to launch half-baked. I think that it cannot be driven, driven home hard enough. The majority of the one-on-one coaching I do is getting people out of overthinking. They, they don't get like new or better information. I give it all away to everyone. And really what they get to do is talk to me about where they're stuck. And they're always stuck on themselves. It's not a, oh, I don't know what product to bring. It's always fear. It's always something that, that they're overthinking and trying to make it perfect in the lab. They're trying to carve this thing to be absolutely perfect. And it's, if you, per, perfection is the enemy. You have to just launch, trust in your ability to help, trust in your ability to figure it out. So when you feel scared to launch, you're going to launch half-baked because you are trying to help people. No one who follows me or relates to my content is in rich, like I don't preach get rich quick. I'm not telling you you're gonna make $10,000 next month. You might. But my job is to help you launch a mission-driven business. That does not mean there's no profit. That means you need profit to make the mission happen. But my point here is that you need to take action and you need to take imperfect action. You need to just keep moving. So launch half-baked. Boom. There you go. Down, dude. That was good. That was really, really good. I'd love for you to um, give us your, your Instagram handles. Uh, talk about like the Honey Badger project where people can find that and just where you would like to, you know, if people are interested in learning more from you and, you know, being coached by you, all that stuff, where can they go? Yeah. So I run everything through my personal Instagram, Frank underscore Benedetto, Frank underscore Benedetto. So you, I give away a ton of great education through there, both on personal performance, uh, you know, time management, efficiency, all those things, as well as entrepreneurialism it can apply to all, all platforms, you know? Um, so I, I highly recommend you follow me, 
um, reach out. You can DM me with questions. Specifically, I love getting questions on books. If you have a specific recommendation on what book to, to read, here's the format. Hey, Frank, describe your life situation. So I just launched my first business and I'm not sure of how to you know, close a sale. What book should I read? Or, hey, Frank, I've been in business for a couple months and I think I'm ready to hire an employee. What leadership book should I read? Never ever ask what book should I read next in general. Always ask what specific book would be best for your specific situation. So I welcome all of you, DM me and I'll help you out. Frank, you are teaching us all about taking imperfect action, about getting things done and just taking the first step before you even are ready to take the second step. Um, thank you so much, man. I seriously appreciate it. You have given us a lot of value. And uh, yeah, you guys, anyone that's listening or watching this video, make sure that you guys uh, connect with Frank because he is constantly just giving out a lot of value. So I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thank you so much for having me. I love your stuff too. And I'm looking forward to growing together. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. And I wanted to mention, after our conversation with Frank on the podcast, I actually asked him if he could be some sort of coach for me. So it's funny how life works and how social media and the, the internet connects everyone. But Frank and I are actually working together now. So there is a fun stat for you guys. And um, again, if you guys stuck out through the episode, I appreciate you guys. I'm here for any questions, any feedback that you may have for me. Uh, just remember to connect with me on Instagram mainly or YouTube at SebasGarciaX. And until the next episode, I will talk to you guys later.